Yo, yo, what up everyone? This is your life coach, Jacob Sokol, and welcome to WTF Should I Do With My Life? You're about to access a roadmap specifically designed for people in our generation, like you and me, who are looking to figure out how to create a life filled with happiness, success, and a deep sense of purpose, while simultaneously dealing with the challenges of today. This interview is with Phil Drolette. Phil is the founder of feelgoodlifestyle.com, and he offers coaching services to help you establish the daily habits and mental models that energize and inspire you to create a life you love while bringing your greatest contribution to the world. In this interview, we're going to dive deep into an unconventional and non-traditional way to get the job of your dreams. We'll talk about what success really is and how Phil's old definition of it used to trap him. We'll talk about how to get over your fear of failure and take massive action, plus how to overcome self-doubt and insecurity while earning your confidence. Phil, what's up, homie? Hey, Jacob. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. Excited to chat today, man. Thanks for joining us. Dude, it's my pleasure. And hi to everyone at home. Happy to, um, to share some ideas and some wisdom with you guys today. Right on, right on, dude. So... What I'm particularly excited about with this chat is um, just going in deep, authentically, vulnerably if possible. Um, you are a young adult. We are young adults. We're speaking to young adults. We're, we're hanging with young adults. And I know when I was um, still much earlier in the stage of figuring things out, one of the things is I felt so isolated and I felt like there was so much going on in my life that um, I was afraid to talk about and I didn't think other people were experiencing those challenges. So with this conversation, the intention is just to, to dive deep into your journey, which has been an incredible journey over the last couple of years for, you know, for, the, for the least, and, uh, and to start with that. So I think it would be cool to start maybe by you sharing um, some of the challenges that you faced in young adulthood and, uh, and how that set you on this path that you're on right now. Yeah, for sure. Well, I guess uh, it, it all started in college, like for most of us. And uh, I was in business school in, in, in Vancouver in Canada. And I always had this image that I had to uh, get a, a good corporate job. And the, the best possible outcome coming out of um, university was to get a job with a Fortune 500 company. So that was like living the dream if I could accomplish that. And I did. I, I got a job with uh, Anheuser-Busch InBev, which is the biggest beer company in the world. And uh, I got into this job, and very quickly, uh, they started having this dichotomy in my, in my life where on the outside, everybody was kind of like patting me on the back, saying, good job, you have, this, you, know, you have this great job, and you're selling beer and all this stuff, you're so lucky. But on the other side, internally, I started feeling like maybe I had something more to offer to the world than, than convincing people to drink Budweiser instead of Coors Light. I, I couldn't really put words on it yet. I didn't understand the idea of purpose, anything like that. But I just felt like this, this wasn't quite it. But all the external forces in my life were just telling me, like, hey, you know, you're on the fast track to success. You're doing great. So that was, that was kind of like the, the situation I was in at that moment. And did the, did the feeling that you have inside, did that get stronger over time? Was there, were there more signs and more signals and maybe more discomfort around you continuing to stay in that position? Yeah, absolutely. And so I think there's kind of like different phases they go through. And the first one is I was trying to convince myself to be more grateful for what I had and that I shouldn't, that I was being ungrateful by not fully loving my life the way it was. But then as time progressed, I was like, no, you know, it's not, there's not, and there's nothing wrong with me. I'm just not in the right situation. And so that was, that really required a lot of courage uh, on my part to just decide to essentially leave that job behind, even though my parents, my friends, um, my bosses, everyone was pretty much calling me crazy and uh, saying that was a you know, terrible decision. But deep in my heart, I knew that this wasn't it. And um, all these people around me, they didn't know, you know what was going through my mind. They couldn't really understand. So I decided to just, just leave the job and, uh, and do my own thing. So what kind of clues were you getting inside that you weren't in the right situation? Well, I definitely wasn't excited when I got up in the morning, which is, you know, kind of like a, a solid sign. I, I dreaded going to work. When I was at work, it was just like you know, counting down time till I was done. Um, I didn't feel any excitement. I didn't feel 
like I really cared if the company progressed or regressed or what happened. Um, I didn't feel this attachment to, to something greater than myself. It was just like, I got to go ahead and put in my hours and, and, and go home and relax. So I had been a, a really passionate guy growing up as a, as a high-level swimmer, and I always had this feeling that I got up and I would, I would train hard and I would do everything. At night I would go to bed exhausted, but I knew that I had gotten closer to my goals, closer to, to my dreams, and that felt amazing. And now in this job, I had nothing of that feeling, so I knew I knew something was missing. Yeah, dude, I know so many people can relate to that. Uh, as you're speaking, I'm just like you're listing all the different things that you were going through, and I'm just mentally checking all those boxes. Boom, yep, 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 yep. And um, one of the things that I know is a huge deal for me that you haven't spoke about yet is um, how were you able to – deal with your family and friends and the big looming question of, you know, what will they think of me? Yeah, that was a hard one. And that, that's probably where, you know, most people get stopped. And it stopped me for, for a few months. It, it wasn't like, you know, there was maybe three months where I wanted to leave, but I, the, the social pressure was too much. Um, I'm trying to bring myself back to you. So much has happened since I'm trying to bring myself back to the mindset that I had back then. I think... Um, I think I just didn't care anymore. And I, I just realized that my commitment to my life is, I, you know, I want to live an exciting life. I want, to, I want to go to bed. I want to wake up excited. I want to go to bed exhausted but satisfied. That's kind of like my, the metric that I want to have in my life. And I wasn't, I wasn't wake up excited. I wasn't going to bed satisfied. So that was a stronger you know, that was, that, the desire to bring that back into my life somehow was stronger than whatever pressure I was feeling from outside. So I was kind of like weighing the scale, and eventually the scale on the left side, you know, so to speak, got stronger. So I was like, you know what, I'm out. See you guys later. Where, dude, that's incredible. So you want to go to bed exhausted but satisfied. So tell us more, right? So you, boom, you make this decision. You're like, all right, you know, Bud Light, Coors Light, I don't give a shit. Get me the hell out of here. Where do you go at that point? What do you do? Yeah, so I had applied to go to grad school. So I, I did have a plan. I, I guess I should have shared that, but I was going to grad school for sports business management, uh, do an MBA in California. And so I, I only applied to one school, and I quit my job before I even uh, heard whether I got in or not. But my whole life, everything had always worked out. I always got the job I applied for, the, got into the schools I wanted. So I only applied for one school I thought I was going to get in, and then I didn't get in. It was the first time that I really faced like a, a really severe rejection and that was super hard because I, I had no plan B. Uh, my dream of going to school in California kind of fell apart. And so I kind of had to regroup and, and then I had to move back in with my mom. Uh, I, and I moved how, back how old to Montreal. You at point? Yeah, so I was, uh, I was 23 at that time. Okay. Okay, cool. So I had just gone from, you know, living the young professional's dream, getting uh, condos paid for and, like, free beer and going to all these parties, and then thinking I'm going to go to school in Southern California, which for a Canadian guy like me is just, like, the dream. And then all that <laughs> was gone, and here I was sleeping on my mom's couch back in Montreal, unemployed and, and totally confused. Shout out to your mama. What up, mom? <laughs> um, yeah. Right, right on, dude. So, so what happens next? So thus began probably the hardest five months of my life. Um, so at that point, I just had to find another job. But I had decided I wanted a job that I was passionate about. I didn't know exactly, you know, what that meant, but I thought it had to do with sports because I, I, growing up, I loved sports. And um, so I was really focusing on, on sports marketing, applying for job, applying for job, in a very traditional way, just sending my resume. I wasn't creative in how I was applying to jobs. And if I had to go through it again, I would do it totally differently. But I applied for jobs, and it was when the economy was kind of like at, at its worst. It was like 2009. And um, for five months, no chance. No one would give me a break. And uh, I just felt worse and worse. My self-esteem by the end was just like the lowest it's ever been. And um, things, <laughs> it, was, it was pretty bleak for, for those five months. Yeah, um, right on, man. So here we are. We're listening on the edge of our seats and uh, curious to hear how that turns around. Yeah, so eventually, you know, I, it was kind of like I was banging my head against the wall, right? For five months, just sending resume after resume, getting rejected again and again. 
And then one day, well, so in that time, my little sister had decided to go to, to university in Italy. And I had kind of helped her through that process, and I had convinced her to, or I helped her make that decision. And I found myself being a little bit jealous because she was about to leave to Italy. And meanwhile, I was, you know, on mom's couch in my boxers applying to jobs and just <laughs> totally miserable. And then it kind of clicked for me, why would I go to grad school overseas? Why would I try to do something like that? So I think there's situations in life, sometimes we look at other people and what they're up to, and we, kind of, we get a little bit jealous, but it's like, wait, why can't I do that too? What's stopping me from doing that? So I decided that Australia, I dream of going to Australia for a long time, and uh, I started looking around, and uh, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go to grad school in Australia. Here's the next plan. So I started look around, looking to Australia, uh, Australian universities in Sydney, uh, Melbourne, and then every single school, the application deadline for the next semester had passed two days before. And I was, I was crushed. I was like, man, just can't get a break. Like, you're, why won't the universe help me? But the universe had something in store with me, for me, because I looked uh, on the west coast of Australia. There was one school, the University of Western Australia in Perth, which you could apply like a month later. And so I applied to that school. Two weeks later, I got in, and uh, pretty much like a month later, I was on a plane, and I was flying to Australia to start a new chapter, really. Dude, how nervous were you going to Australia to start a new chapter? Probably you haven't never been there before. Going, moving away from home, moving away from your comfort zone, doing this totally audacious thing that probably excited you, but at the same time really scared you. What was that like for you, dude? To be honest, man, I was just pure excitement. There was very little fear at that point. I had gone, you know, I was from Montreal, from the French part of Canada, for, for those who don't know, and I had gone to school in Vancouver when I was 18. So that first time I was so scared and I cried on the plane the whole way there. But the second time I was a bit older and I just honestly felt liberated. It was like, all right, all the shit that's happened in the last five months is behind me and now I get a fresh start. I get to really recreate myself and, and start working on some cool stuff. So as soon as I, I'll always remember when, I, when we landed and I, I just got off the plane and I, I smelled the air and it smelled different. It was like Australia. And I was like, you know what, this is the new, this is the new beginning. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something really good with it. Right on, dude. So walk us through your time in Australia. What, what happens during this time? What do you learn about yourself? What are the pivotal moments that you really feel like defined um, your path and led you to be where you are right now? Yeah, so that's a great question. I, well, so it wasn't all smooth sailing from that point. I started going to grad school and quickly realized that what I was learning in, in grad school wasn't, it, it still wasn't it. It, was, it. it still had to do with big corporations and I wasn't passionate about it. So I was going to class and then not really enjoying that. Everything else was great. Perth, the weather, um, everything was awesome. And so I was on this trip to learn. You know, I was in grad school, but I wasn't learning very useful stuff in class. So I started picking up personal development books. Um, I, I picked up Seven Habits of Highly, uh, Highly Effective People. I read that. That was the first time I'd ever read personal development. So I was like, yeah, this is kind of interesting. I guess you can make yourself better by like, learning wow. these things. <laughs> but I, I still wasn't totally getting it. And then I read um, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior by Dan Millman, which I'm, you've probably read uh, as well. Yep. Yeah, so... Uh, for those of you who don't know, essentially the story of a young guy who's in college and he's a high-level athlete and he, he finds kind of like a mentor who helps him become a, a better man. And so that was definitely a story I could relate to. And that really kind of kicked, kicked off the whole personal development journey. Then two, three months later, I read uh, The Art of Nonconformity by Chris Gillibo, which just opened this door in my head that, oh, my God, I don't have to play by society's rule. I don't have to, you know, just do the, the same path as everyone else does. There's this whole kind of alternative living community out there. And that was, that was a real breakthrough moment, knowing that, like, I don't have to do what everybody else does. This is my life. I get to write it any way I want. That's incredible. Up until that time, did you feel like you were isolated somewhat and that it was hard to explain what you were feeling and that you didn't think other people were, would relate? Or were there people who you felt like already understood you, but you guys still didn't really have an answer? 
no, I definitely felt isolated. And I, I felt confused as well because I realized that the traditional model wasn't working for me. The, you know, nine to five, big corporation, you know, be one employee amongst, you know, 100,000 in the company. I knew this wasn't working for me, but I didn't know what the alternatives were. So that was really hard to be unhappy with the situation, but not knowing, you know, what else can I do? So that book yeah. was the first time that I, I realized, that, oh, my God, you can, you know, have some sort of online business and uh, travel a lot and, and do this and do that. So that was a big breakthrough moment. But at that point, I was still just piecing all the, uh, the pieces of the puzzle together. Then I uh, discovered Tony Robbins, and I did his program, uh, Personal Power 2, which is a month-long, 30-day in a row. You'd listen to his audio tapes, and then you'd do homework. And that's when I really started applying this personal development stuff and morning rituals and, and empowering mindsets. And as I applied that, my, my, my life was transformed. I started feeling more confident, having more energy, just being happier. And then I realized that that was something I was really interested about. That, was, that stuff really worked. Um, so that was kind of like another pivotal moment. And then the, probably the third big thing that happened is I read The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. And then I discovered how you can actually build an online business and how you can actually create a, a lifestyle business, as they call. Um, and that really gave me an actual blueprint on how I could live an unconventional lifestyle. Dude, as you're speaking, I'm, I'm just starting to imagine. Um, I know you've done some crazy shit, especially when you're just starting to get into personal development and doing some self-experimentation, some reality testing, some experimentation in society and how it works. But some of the craziest kind of stuff that would make you blush to even talk about right now that you tried in this kind of journey of experimentation? Well, I, I wouldn't blush about it because honestly, I, I own who I am and I, I love what I do and I'm a little bit crazy, but that's, that's what I enjoy doing. Well, one of the first experiments I did, is, it's kind of simple and anyone who's listening to this, you have the power to do it as well. But I start to realize that one of the things that stop us the most in our life is, is fear. We have these dreams, we have these visions of what we want to create, but in between us and, and, and that, there's kind of like a barrier, and it's, it's our fears. And so I read on a web the shower, which essentially is exactly what you think it is. For 30 days, you have to take a cold shower every morning. And my first reaction reading this was, hell no. There's no way I'm doing this. I hate <laughs> cold water. I've never liked cold water. Why would I, why would I submit myself to that? But at that point, I, I kind of had this concept that was formulating in my head that I wanted to, to become the best version of myself. And I wanted to show up as the best version of myself in every moment. And as I was reading this about this challenge, I asked myself, what would the best version of myself do right now in this situation? Would I just you know, go to another website and forget about this challenge like it never happened? Or would I take it on and really step out of my comfort zone and see if I can actually do this? So obviously the answer was, you know, I can do this. So the next morning I started the, the cold shower challenge and the fear that you feel, and it was winter in Australia, it was super cold too. My house had no heating. It was like the coldest day of the year pretty much. And I was just like standing there in front of the cold shower and I'm, you know, pretty much butt naked and the, the shower is on and I can just feel the, the cold mist on my skin and I'm just like, oh man, what am I doing? <laughs> and so eventually I stayed there for like two minutes just like hesitating and like not being able to go in and I'm like, oh, okay, just do it. I walk in and it's like the worst. I just like start screaming like a girl for the next like 30 seconds and I'm just like, ah, I can't do this anymore and I, I turn it off and I, I run out and I'm like, how the hell am I going to do this for the next 29 days? <laughs> Dude, that's, that's sick. So uh, you said something really quick before we go on. You said, what would the best version of myself do right now? And for everybody listening, imagine how much your life would change if you just took that one question and started to ask yourself that question just once a day. What would the best version of myself do right now? Face the challenging situation, what would the best version of myself do right now? So um, thank you for pointing out that question. That's so incredible. And uh, so what happened with the next 29 days? Were you, uh, were you jumping in there or what? Yeah, so that's, that's great you pointed it out. It's just such a powerful question. 
So next morning, I'm back, and now it's even worse than the first morning because I know how bad it's going to be. The first morning, I was a little bit innocent. Now I just know how much it's going to suck. So here I am, you know, in front, of the, in front of the shower, the coldness on my skin, walk in, it's terrible. I last like maybe 40 seconds at time, turn on the shower, run out. But then every day I would go back and read about the, the challenge because other people were doing it, and they said it, it took about seven days before it got easy. So I, I do it again and again, and day seven, I'm like, okay, it's going to get easy. didn't get easy at all. I do it a couple more days, and eventually the tenth day that I, I took my cold shower, I walked in, and I didn't stream. I, like, kind of kept myself under control. So I was like, all right, it's getting better. And from there, I just kept doing it every day. And by day 30, uh, I, I still vividly remember, I turned on the shower, maximum cold. I walked in, no screaming. I was controlling my breath, controlling my mind, and I was just fully zen, even though the, the water was, was super cold. And through that experiment, I realized two things. The first one is that most times if we want to overcome fear, all it takes is, is two seconds of, of courage. All it takes is, you know, one step, another step, and then you're, you're in. Whether that's, you know, going to talk to a beautiful girl or calling someone on the phone, uh, calling a client, and... I built my muscle to just take two, those two steps into the shower and to be in the cold. And once you're in there, you know, it gets easier over time. And the second time is our mind has just so much power. You know, something that was so, so challenging for me at the start of the month, within a month was, was easy. And I had stepped up my game to a whole new level. So it was a, it was a really good experiment. And, um, yeah, I, I definitely encourage If you're listening to this right now and you're like, whoa, this is pretty crazy but kind of cool at the same time, I really encourage you to take it on. And um, you will be very surprised how transformed you are uh, within the next 30 days. Yeah, dude, I, I know a lot of people who are listening to this call are going to be saving money on their heater bills this month. And that's, dude, that's <laughs> sick. That's incredible. So where does it go from there, right? You kind of get out of your comfort zone. You step into this, this like, radical audacious fear of doing something totally out of the norm, um, and then what happens? You know, where does your journey go from here? Yeah, so now at that point, I've realized that this whole personal development thing, unconventional living, that's, that's for me. That's what I love. And as I'm applying these strategies, it, it's working, right? I, I feel better. And my next thought is, well, I've got to start sharing this with people. At that point, I had, a, I had a travel blog where I was just you know writing about my adventures in Australia, and, and I had started to a little bit delve into more like personal development type stuff. So at, the, at first, my blog was all about like, you know, meeting Australian girls and partying on the beach and going surfing. And then somehow that transitioned to like finding, you know, finding your purpose and these kinds of things. And, and my friends who were reading my blog were like, dude, what, what's going on over there? Like what happened to Australian girls? It's like, no, but I just get it. Like finding your purpose, guys, it's so much more important. And they're like, yeah, but whatever, man. We want to hear about the Australian girls. <laughs> so I was like, okay, this whole travel blog is not working anymore. I've got to create something new. So I created another blog called 100 Happy and Healthy Years. Uh, that totally didn't work. Um, but then I kind of got my head together. I created to start. I decided to create a website called The Feel Good Lifestyle. And my whole intention was just to share the best of all these different strategies I was learning from um, Brian John, well, from Tim Ferriss, from, from Tony Robbins, and then from Brian Johnson as I did Optimal Living 101, which was another huge turning point uh, for me discovering this whole idea of optimal living. So I just started sharing the best I was learning, sharing my stories. Um, Jacob, you know, I obviously I discovered your blog around that time too, and that was super inspiring to me to see what you were up to. And I just wanted to, to get in the game and, and start sharing my own stuff. And... Um, from there, just really uh, start devoting myself to the blog. So let's let's dive into that, right? So uh, Optimal Living, Brian Johnson is the founder, head philosopher of Entheos, which is producing this conversation, this conference right now, and he's been a mentor for both of us. And so we have some some common uh, DNA there. And I wanna I wanna hear from you. What were what were some of the biggest takeaways, mindset shifts, habits? Um, epiphanies, ahas, this, this whole, the whole spectrum, what were some of the biggest things for you that, that you um, not only learned but adapted um, from Optimal Living 101? Mm, that's a great question. 
I'm trying to think is everything, that whole period of my life, there's just so many, you know, new pieces of information that are entering my brain. I don't know where everything came from. But I think the biggest thing for me with regards to optimal living was this idea of creating a lot of uh, rituals and fundamentals into our lives. Uh, you might have discussed that on, on some of the previous calls. But essentially, if we want to show up as the best version of ourselves day in and day out, if that's our intention, then we need to create some structures that allow us to do that consistently uh, so that we're not relying on, you know, one day I'm feeling great and everything's going well, and the next day I'm feeling out of it and, and I, I can't shake off this funk. So I decided that if you had a morning ritual, if you, um, you know, started, I got into meditation because Brian was such a, a huge advocate of it. I got into meditation. I started doing yoga first thing in the morning. Um, I started, uh, what else was I doing around there? Well, I started just really seeing each day as a, I don't want to say that we use the word performance, but really this idea that each day is a gift. And each day that passes by, you never get it back. So really trying to consciously make each day as good as it could through those rituals, through keeping my mind positive, and, um, and then from there, you know, trying to make each day a little bit better than the last because I was improving myself. Yeah, I think for me, optimal living... If, I, if we really zoom out and look at it from a whole, um, what it did for me was there was this kind of one hovering question of um, what, do you, what do you want your ideal life to look like? What does your ideal life look like? And just the like, optimal living, what's your optimal life look like? And just the idea that we could consciously create the, a life that we cared about and not right today, not right tomorrow, but like long-term vision. There's a certain set of universal principles and wisdom mm. which exists. And what Brian was doing was he was, he was taking the old school philosophy and the modern day science and everything in between and saying, these dudes, these chicks, they're kind of all saying the same thing. And, it's a, and for me what he did was, because I'm, I'm a dude who didn't read a book until I was 20 years old. Literally, <laughs> I'd never read a book from front to back. I have like a Dennis Rodman book, I think, when I was 13. But it was like <laughs> as bad as I want to be when he was, you know, dating Madonna. Um, but besides, besides playing around in that book a little bit, I literally didn't read a book until I was 20 years old. And so while I always thought philosophy was really interesting, Socrates, Plato, these guys, they're so esoteric. It was so foreign for me. And it, it didn't, I felt like there was a lot of goodness in there, but it was just too far away for me to tap into. And Brian was coming yeah. through, and Brian was, he was one of us. He was one of the guys, you know, one of the, one of the girls, whatever, right? And boom, he's one of us. And next thing you know, he's just translating this super awesome wisdom. But in, he's like, yo, you know, don't you see Socrates? All the dude is saying is just like, go do your thing. Like, you got to know yourself, man. Like, that's what it's about. And, and to me, I was like, holy shit, this guy speaks my language, and he translates this incredible wisdom. And so I think that was part of it. And then um, there was also uh, a sense of community. Like anybody who's listening to this call right now, here's something incredible. You can hit Phil up, you can hit me up, and you can talk to us. Like literally, you can have a phone conversation with us. It is possible. You can email us. And there's something special about that. There's something special about this like, community and the, the movement in the community and the support in this, in this space. Because um, we know. We know what it's like. We know that your parents don't get it. We know that your, your old school friends don't get it. Um, and it's part of evolving is finding new community and new people. Uh, it's one of the reasons you know, I, I look at Phil and I hear what he's up to and, I, and I'm as you guys are as well listening to his story, you know, I'm so inspired because there's so much that he's saying that I see myself in or maybe things that I haven't done but just seeds of my potential that I see in Phil. And, uh, and that's, that's incredible. So um, that's, that was kind of it for Optimal Living for, for me a little bit. And so where does, that, where does that take you then after that? So you're running the blog and, and what happens now? Yeah, so a big thing about the blog, um, and anyone who's interested in, in starting a blog, and by the end of the conversation, you might be even more interested because you'll hear how it's totally changed my life and, and opened up so many doors for me. But the first thing I did when I started this blog, that was in July 2011, so it's, it's not even a year and a half ago, I decided that if, I, if this was going to work, because there's, there's thousands of blogs getting created every single day, and there's only a, a handful that really kind of rise to the top and stand out from, from everything else, I decided that I was going to commit myself 110% until I was to leave Australia, which was about mm -hmm. five months later. So I, I, I 
gave myself this ulti ultimatum of I'm going to do everything I can to make this work. And if it's not getting any traction, if, if nothing's happening by November, I'll probably just let it go and, and move on to something else. But I wanted to have this commitment where I knew that was my purpose, my mission in life for the next five months was to get this blog and to grow the audience and, and to become the best writer, the best blogger I could be. So I was still in school. I was still doing grad school, but that was like as little time as possible. Like I would go to classes and kind of do my stuff, but you know, I wasn't, that was very minimal commitment on my part. Everything was going to the blog. So reading as much as I could, learning, doing these crazy experiments like the cold shower challenge and, and many others. And from there, within, uh, within the next five months, essentially two days before I was to leave Australia, at that point I was already getting some good traction and my stuff was getting shared. I was getting comments. It was working. But two days before I was leaving Australia, I wrote an article called um, – how to, uh, how to become limitless, essentially. It's how to, increase your IQ, how to become smarter, increase your IQ, and become limitless was the actual title. And so for the last four months, I had seen, four months before I had seen the movie Limitless, where Bradley Cooper's character takes this like, magic pill, and he's just become super smart, and uh, in his life just kind of takes off from that. I was like, whoa, that's amazing. <laughs> and I, I, I wanted to see if there was a way, obviously that little clear pill, like, is in the movie doesn't exist, but I wanted to see if there was a way that we could make ourselves smarter. And I was already way down the, the uh, rabbit hole of personal development at that point. I was like, well, maybe we, I can actually make my brain better. So for four months, I went on this like huge experiment, like Tim Ferriss style, of doing brain training and trying different supplements and doing these different types of meditation and all this crazy stuff, all with the goal of making myself smarter. And over those four months, there was like actual data that showed that my brain become, became more performant. My memory got better. My cognitive speed, my ability to problem solve like drastically improved. And I wrote an article about that. And um, so I put like probably total like 100 hours of work in this one article, but it wow. totally blew up. I published it at 5 a.m. I remember I was up till 5 a.m. writing it, uh, and then I, I hit publish, and I went to bed, and I woke up at 10 and it had already been shared like a whole bunch of times, and it was like pretty much going viral. And I was like, holy shit, I did it. Like I, my <laughs> blog is going to take, I, at that moment I knew that there was no going back, and I, had, I was going to make it as a blogger. That's sick, dude. So tell us, what are three things that we could do to make ourselves smarter? Yeah, so, well, the first one that really helped me is doing brain training with uh, a website called Lumosity. So essentially, you, 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 just like you would go and work your body out, if you want to become fitter, if you want to be stronger with your body, you're going to go to the gym, you're going to go running, you're going to do push-ups, whatever. Well, the same applies to our brain. So this website has these different brain games designed to help us uh, on different areas of our cognition. So whether it's speed, memory, problem solving, uh, our, uh, like, um, sort of ability to, our ability to speak, which is awkward because <laughs> I can express it. I haven't practiced for a while, that's why. So that, that um, software is really good. You practice 15 minutes a day, and it really makes a big difference. Um, another thing is, is meditation. If, uh, you, know, you probably talk about meditation on these calls fairly often, but meditation and using binaural beats is something that's been really powerful for me. There's different binaural beats software out there. Um, I know Brian has um, the Blicitations. I've used, I've used Holosync. The brain evolution system is the one I'm using right now. Um, and the third one is probably um, doing intermittent fasting. So this one is a little bit more extreme, but it's been shown that if you fast for 16 hours per day and you eat all your food in the other eight hours, not only does it help increase a lot of your health markers, it helps you lose weight, uh, lose fat without losing muscle, uh, but it also increases our brain's production of something called brain-derived neurotropic factor, BDNF for short, short. And essentially those are the little proteins that help us help our brain create new neurons. And every day as we're learning new things, our brain is constantly building new neurons, constantly. Even as you're listening to me right now, listening to this information, your brain's kind of evolving. And so when you fast on a regular basis, your brain has more of this raw material to build new neurons with. And um, essentially you become smarter because of that. That's sick, dude. So are you still on that 16-hour fast thing? Are you still rocking with that? 
I do it once a week now. So I went through a phase. I actually did like 30 days in a row during the challenge, which was super. That was that was hard. That that was pretty hard. Uh, but now every once a week, I'll do a fast, uh, which still has a lot of benefits. So everyone at home, uh, intermittent fasting is something really cool to uh, add to your weekly uh, schedule. All right, Ambro. So let's talk about the let's talk about the idea of saying, okay, I wanna I'm gonna go engage in my passion, and whether it's starting a blog or whether it's being an artist and making music or directing videos or writing or anything, right? It doesn't even need to be something so um, sparkly and seductive as the things that I'm mentioning here, but just anything at all, right? I wanna do this. Um, what comes along with that? Because I know there has to be some level of self doubt, some insecurity, some fear. Um, that that was in you at that point, and I'm sure people listening, as I do, just want to hear how do you how do you deal with that, dude? Yeah. So the first six months, whatever you know, once you you get on that new path, whether it's it's starting a blog, starting a band, uh, starting your first business, the first six months are going to be really challenging. There's a lot to do. Like you have to build everything, but you have to learn everything at the same time. So there's kind of like two things going on at once. And that's why I decided to commit myself for five months because I knew that if I hadn't fully committed, maybe after two months, you know, I've written a bunch of blog posts, no one's really reading them, uh, you know, this isn't working, I'm just going to give up. So the, the, the important thing to remember is that the first six months is really like, it's almost like the universe is going to test you. It's going to want to see how bad you really want this. You, you deserve to be successful in that, in that new project. And... So you just have to be really open and um, I think a big thing too is to be willing to, to kind of suck at it at, at first. You know, you're not going to be great and if you're kind of competitive or uh, if like me you're an athlete and for me sports came really easily. I was, I was like good at sports the first time I tried. Well, when you're trying to start a project, it's not going to be like that. You're going to you try to build a website. It's awkward. You don't know how to do it. You want to throw your laptop out the window. You just have to be patient and, and be kind of like a, like a baby that's learning to walk. You know, the baby's falling, keeps getting up, keeps getting up. Um, you, you, the baby doesn't give up after, you know, two, two tries. So you really need to have that, that fortitude of, of knowing that if you make it through this first six months, things are going to get a lot easier afterwards. That's incredible, dude. One of the first things that I wrote in my bathroom, my bathroom is covered in different almost mantras, and one of the first things that I wrote on the wall in the big market says baby step style, and it was exactly what you're describing right now. It's just you're going to bust your ass repeatedly. It's going to hurt, um, but like it's a celebration also. Like even if you just take a step, right? No, no one is like, look at this like baby who's a moron, you know? Like what the hell? A baby can't walk yet, right? But approaching it with the same kind of compassion and the same persistence that, that a baby would, just baby step style. You fall down, you take one step, that's a celebration. That's something to, to honor right there. So, um, so awesome, man. Let's, let's talk about success, right? So let's talk about, I think growing up we're, um, we kind of just are, are wired by society, by our parents, by our culture, by our gender to define what we should and what we shouldn't do and what, what makes us successful and when we're not successful. And I think if we're going to live an examined life, a conscious life, and really a deeply fulfilled life, um, questioning success, just like questioning our purpose and questioning who we are, is something that is just intrinsically, you know, absolutely necessary for that process. So tell us about maybe what your definition of success was growing up and, and where it is now. Yeah, that's a great question and uh, something I've definitely thought about a lot over the last few months. So. For me, growing up, success was, was making it, was achieving my goals, was maybe having some sort of fame, um, you know, having some money, a big house, um, helping people. It wasn't solely focused on myself. It still had to do with – but it was always something like in the future, you know, like when I'm, when I'm making this much money, I'll be successful. When I have this many readers, I'll be successful. And it was kind of like this, uh, this chase. And – about two months ago, uh, a lot of the goals I had set for myself in, in my blog and in my business, which we can loop back around in a second, but a lot of the goals I had set for myself, I, I reached them. What I thought was going to make me successful, I accomplished it. And then I felt pretty great for about a week. For about a week, I was like <laughs> really high on life, and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm doing it, I'm making it. 
But then, you know, then it's time to set some new goals because you can't, you know, I'm 26 years old. I'm not just going to sit down and, and, and celebrate forever. I got, I got a lot more I want to accomplish. So I set some more ambitious goals. And then this weird thing happened within me. Now, all of a sudden, I felt like I wasn't going to be successful until I reached these new goals. I felt like success was still something ahead, like way out there. And I didn't feel yeah. that successful anymore. And I was like, whoa, like... This, this is really weird. And even during the process of reaching these goals, I was working super hard, but I was sometimes a little bit stressed out, a little bit anxious. And I, the whole process wasn't as fun as I thought it was going to be. And then reaching the goals was fun, but it, was, it didn't last forever. So I was like, oh, my God, this, maybe this whole definition of success isn't, isn't what I thought it was going to be. Um, I don't know if, Jacob, you can, you can relate to this, um, to this vision of success. Yeah, absolutely, dude, for sure. So um, in my own life, that's been something that I, I never took the time to question. Um, and I think success unconsciously was just doing what I thought people wanted me to do and being good at that. Um, and, uh, and, I, and for me at this point, what, what is success? Success is kind of being true to who I am, living with what I, uh, with what I know to be true. And, uh, and, and I love the way Tal Ben-Shahar, who um, we also interviewed for this conference, I love the way he talks about it. And he says that um, we, need, we need to set goals that, or we need to do things in a sense that have both present and future benefit. In other words, we need to do things that bring us pleasure currently, but also have meaning. And it's not either or. It's not one or the other. It's actually both. And that's success. That's a fulfilled life is when you're doing things that one, you enjoy, but two, um, you know, also have meaning for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's essentially over the last month, the shift that I made, I decided I didn't want to always chase success. I wanted to, to feel successful in every moment or have at least the, the possibility of feeling successful in every moment. So I've created this new definition of success, which is to work towards my goals in a state of love, appreciation, and grace. And so for me, what that means is I'm still, you know, not just chilling on the couch doing nothing. I'm still pursuing these big goals and (laughs) trying to have a bigger impact in the world. But as I'm doing this, I want to feel love for the people around me, for for my work, for my, to myself. I want to feel appreciation for the fact that I'm working on something meaningful, that I'm getting better every day, that I'm collaborating with some amazing people like you, Jacob. And finally, in a state of grace, which is a word I only discovered about a month ago, and I don't even know if I have the right definition, but the way I interpret it is just feeling this kind of like lightness in my soul and this kind of having a little bounce in my step. I would say it's like the opposite of feeling anxious. When I feel anxious, my, my chest kind of gets contracted and uh, I just, you know, shallow breathing. When I'm feeling a state of grace, it's like the opposite. It's like my chest opens up, I feel light, uh, breathing fully, and I'm just, you know, enjoying my life. So... From that standpoint, you know, for you, Jacob, and everyone here, you know, listening at home, you can be successful, you know, right now. You can be successful tomorrow if you're working on your goals and you focus on being in a state of love, appreciation, and grace. Something that's almost, almost, uh, but not almost, that's always within our control and that we can reconnect to in every moment, even when we're slipping a little bit. That's so dope, dude. And, man, can you believe how quick this time has flown by? I want to ask you two more quick questions, and maybe we'll keep them short so that we can make sure we, you know, we get everything in here. Um, one of the things you said really early on was that when you were looking for jobs, that you were kind of going about it the traditional way, and you were putting in resumes and doing it in the structure that people had told you to do it in. And as you said yeah. that, I'm just seeing, like, that is so old school, Phil, because I cannot possibly imagine this dude doing that in any way similar to, to how he did back then, what would you do now? Let's say you're in a situation where you're looking for a job, looking to, you know, get into a scene that you want to get into. Um, what, is, what kind of unconventional or, or hacks, what kind of hacks or unconventional ideas would you, would you bring with you in your approach to doing that? Yeah, so there's two that I would definitely execute. So the first one is, is the strategy of free work. Uh, I didn't come up with it myself. I learned it from Charlie Hone, who's uh, Tim Ferriss' assistant. And that's the strategy he used to get a job with Tim. And essentially, whoever you want to work with, whoever you, you admire, like whatever your dream job is, try and see 
how, what, you know, if they have a website, is there anything that's missing on the website? Or is there any part of their business that you feel could be improved? And then what you do is you reach out to them, you, reach, you find the right person, you reach out to them, and if you can have an introduction, that's much more powerful. But you reach out to them and you're like, hi, you know, my name is so-and-so, I, I love the work that you guys are doing, I really admire it, and I actually see a few, opening, a few areas that you could improve. For instance, you could add a forum to your website. You could do this, you could do that. I would love to help you guys do that. And actually, I went ahead and already built number one, or built a prototype of the first idea. Here's a link to it. I would love to work for you guys for free for the next three months, helping you build the other two things. And if you like my work, uh, we could talk about a, a paid position after three months. Yeah, I, so by I doing that, listening you, right now, I know everyone listening right now is like, holy shit, that is genius. So if, you, if you're digging that, if you hear it and, and you're digging that, run with it. I mean, that is, that is a real piece of gold that can actually you know, incredibly change your life if you commit to it for that amount of time and, and have the audacity to do something so unconventional. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just, there's so many powerful things within that. But now that I, you know, I have my own business and I have people, I have employees and interns, I can see the power of that because not only you're bringing fresh you know, ideas to the table, you're showing that you're an action taker, you're willing to work for free for a while. And that's probably where most people get stopped. But working for three, for three months to land your dream job is like the best investment you can ever make. And even within those three months, the things you're going to learn are worth more than any paycheck you could ever get. So give yourself that three months where you're going to just commit everything, uh, do the free work, and next thing you know, you'll, be, you'll have your, your dream job and, um, and you'll have a great story to tell. <laughs> Absolutely love it, dude. So last question, I want to squeeze it in real quickly. What is the number one thing that you now know that you wish you knew when you were 21? Um, that running a business and, and starting a business and running a business is, is fun. And it's, it's a lot easier. No, it's, let, let me rephrase that. It's very challenging, but it's, it's not something you have to wait. So I had this idea in my head that I was going to start my business when I was 30 years old, that I had to work for someone else for eight years to learn how business worked, to learn how this whole, you know, to kind of build my skills. And then when I was 30, I could start a business. And I realized that that was crazy because the skills you learn if you're working for someone else and the skills you need to be a successful entrepreneur are totally different. It's, it's, it's totally a uh, different ballgame. So I would tell my 21-year-old Seth to just, whatever business idea I had, to just give it a shot right there and then, not to worry too much as to whether it's going to work or not, just to like give it my best shot and learn how to be an entrepreneur and that that's the way that I'm going to be able to really create my own life and not have to play by anyone else's rules. I know I'm not the only one. I know I'm not the only one listening to this conversation like, holy shit, this dude Phil just dropped it on us right now. So, I mean, listen, listen to what we talked about, guys. We're, we're regular people. I mean, we've all faced very similar challenges as you did. And these are, these are things Phil's talking about, um, I'm listening about, that, uh, that we, we, ha we have the power to apply right now. And, uh, and so, Phil, dude, Thank you so much for this chat, man. How can people continue to engage and connect with you going forward from here? Yeah, well, thanks, uh, Jacob, for having me. It was so much fun. Uh, guys, if you want to check out what I'm up to, you can visit my blog, thefeelgoodlifestyle.com, and on there you'll see my articles. I also uh, I, I coach people now to help them achieve their goals faster, so you can see that on the website. And I also have a course that I offer called the Superhuman Blueprint, to help people become more confident, more productive, achieve their goals faster. So check out the website, and if you're interested in any of this, uh, you can apply directly or send me an email personally. I'd love to, uh, to have a chat. My email address is phil at feelgoodlifestyle.com, phil at feelgoodlifestyle.com. And if you have any questions about what, what was just discussed on this call, uh, any comments, I would love to hear it. I'm, I'm very accessible, and uh, I'd love to have a conversation. So don't hesitate. Don't be shy. Yeah, and I'm just going to encourage everyone to take them up on that offer. I mean, how, how often do you get an offer from a person like Phil to, uh, to communicate with them and uh, just share yourself openly, you know, honestly and audaciously with them? So, Phil, dude, thank you so much. Such a pleasure and uh, excited for where, where you are and where you're going in the future and uh, looking forward to being a part of that as well.
All right. Thanks, brother. Thanks for having me. And uh, everyone at home, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And I wish you an amazing day. Let's take a look at some of my favorite big ideas from this interview. Big idea number one, making a commitment to your own life. Life's short, and it makes sense to make it awesome. But what would awesome look like to you? A great place to start is figuring out how we want to feel when we get up in the morning and how we want to feel when we go to bed at night. You want to feel relaxed, excited, maybe exhausted but fulfilled. Often we spend our lives trying to fit in and do everything right only to reach a point where it becomes too painful to hide our truth anymore. If that's the case, start figuring out who the best version of you would be. We want to use that idea to create a life that feels great to you, not that one that looks impressive on paper. Big idea number two, getting inspired. So we want to surround ourselves with inspirational material and people, and it's crucial if we want to grow and stretch ourselves to our potential and beyond. How are we going to get anywhere different if we aren't exposed to what's possible? Read books that blow your mind wide open. Get access to killer programs and conferences like this one, and reach out to people who are doing big things in the world. Be a student of life and soak up the ideas that are speaking to you, and let what you're learning propel you into new ways of thinking and being. Big idea number three, working for free. So have you spotted a business that's rocking it out there in the world? Maybe you have a blogger in your site who you love to collaborate with. Working for free can help you get your foot in the door and learn from the best, and not too many other people are doing this. See if you can spot an area where your favorite biz or blogger could use some improvement, and then think about how could you fill that need. People love it when they get constructive feedback, and if you could provide a solution, that's even better. Soul Sibling, thank you so much for rocking with us. I appreciate you, and I appreciate that you're using your time and your energy toward making yourself a better person and the world a better place. So if you'd like to keep in touch, I'd love it if you subscribe to the podcast, and I'm excited to deepen our relationship, to get to know each other better over time, and to see how I can help you solve meaningful challenges and create your most fulfilled life. We've got a great community over here, and we run retreats all over the world. We've got people who connect with each other and support each other in living the most fulfilled life. And what I'd suggest for your next step is to grab a copy of The 12 Things Happy People Do Differently. It's a scientific-based approach to happiness, and there's a lot of great wisdom out there, but this in particular is researched back from some of the world's leading positive psychologists in the world, and it's super grounded, super practical, how you could do these 12 things that happy people do differently and rock it. The article's been shared over 100,000 times on Facebook, and there's some magic in there. So in order to grab a copy of that, you can go to thankyoujacob.com. Sounds simple, and it is. Thankyoujacob.com, and uh, grab that immediately, and I will keep in touch through personal emails that I send out a couple times a month and all that goodness. So for now, sending you lots of love. Keep it real. Follow your heart, but bring your head. Peace.